360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. Hop high. Alright, good evening everyone and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight, Full Circle joins in on the fall fun drive and continues honoring storytelling for social change. On tonight's show, we'll get an update on the situation in Yemen, where after seven years of aerial bombardment by Saudi Arabia and the UAE, a ceasefire and truce is in place and has been holding for the past few months. This update comes from the amazing and moving Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Near the end of the show tonight, we'll hear a poem performed by Alice Walker at the Free Julian Assange, Free Mumia Abu-Jamal, and Free Palestine event held last Saturday at the First Congregational Church in Berkeley. And of course, we will be asking for your support tonight as part of the Fall Fun Drive. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freebone Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. All right, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I am your host for tonight. And yes, like always, I am excited to be contributing to the Fall Fun Drive. And tonight, I want to share a special interview I just did Wednesday with Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Dr. Juman has been and is a major force in getting aid and relief to the Yemeni people. Real quick, just a reminder, we are in the fall fund drive right now. So anytime during the show tonight that you feel moved to donate to this important media outlet, and I hope you are, please do so at kpfa.org. You can also call the number one 800 439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Let's check out the first part of my interview with Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. In part one here, we'll get an update on the past almost seven years of aerial bombardment, the current blockades of goods and supplies and the ceasefire that has been in place for the past six months, which is set to expire in the first week of October. All right, this is Freewell and Franklin here on KPFA in Full Circle, and we're going to turn our attention back to what's happening in Yemen. It's been a while since we've got an update here on this show, 
and we want to bring back one of our go-to people for news and information on what's happening in Yemen, and this is Dr. Aisha Juman. And Dr. Juman has over 30 years of experience in public health, including viral vaccine preventable diseases, cervical and breast cancer research, child health and nutrition, primary health care, and women in development. And Dr. Juman is currently working with the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation as an independent consultant, and she's coordinating health-related projects in Yemen. Thank you for joining us, and welcome back to Full Circle and KPFA, Dr. Juman. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm happy to be with you and your listeners. Yeah, and I'm very excited to have you back because we need to you know, keep up on what's going on over there with our brothers and sisters in Yemen. And as many of our listeners may know, Yemen has been devastated by an aerial bombardment campaign and a port blockade. I believe it's now going on eight years, and this has been led by Saudi Arabia and the UAE, but it's been largely supported by the United States supplying weapons and technology along with the UK and a coalition of other nations. And this devastation has carried the title of the worst humanitarian crisis on the planet. And again, I have said this before, the worst thing about it is this is a man-made disaster, which would not be possible without direct support and aid from the United States. So to kick us off tonight, Dr. Juman, can you get us started with an update? Um, what's the status with the attacks on the ground in Yemen? So I'm happy to report that there is a truce now. Uh, it's held actually uh, for now over five months. It will expire in uh, October 2nd. So what the truce meant is that there are no aerial bombardment on Yemen. However, the blockade on Yemen, just not just the port, but all points of entry, whether it's land, air, or sea, uh, it's all under the control of the Saudi-led coalition. So nothing is allowed to get into Yemen unless the Saudi-led uh, coalition approves it. Under the terms of the truce, they have allowed a certain number of fuel ships to get into Hodeida port, which is the main port in Yemen, and then a few flights, two flights per week out of Sana'a airport, which is the main international airport in Yemen, only to Jordan. So those have been going on. Uh, however, when the Saudis decide, even under the truce conditions, uh, last month, they uh, held 13 sh fuel ships and didn't allow them to go into Yemen, creating a huge shortages of fuel. Many health facilities had to stop their services. People queued in line for fuel for a long time. And so, you know, despite the ability of some fuel ships to get in and two flights a week to Amman, Jordan, it's still under the mercy and control of Saudi Arabia. And it's still, again, um, no country should have that much control over another country. Um, I will use an example of our work. We have sent from Yemen Relief and the Construction Foundation uh, handheld ultrasound devices to Yemen and we have not been able to get them to Sana'a because the Saudi-led coalition has not allowed them to get into Sana'a. They've been waiting in Dubai for a, over eight months now. 
We'll talk about what the blockade of um, the free flow of goods and stuff means to the people on the ground in Yemen. You mentioned the ultrasound, the handheld ultrasound devices, fuel. Um, what else is in short supply out there and what do the Yemeni people need to start flowing again? So basically everything that gets in, whether it's food, whether it's medicine, everything has to get approval from the Saudi-led coalition. And they delay things on purpose. So for example, the 13 ships that I mentioned, once a ship is held from entering Yemen port, they are held usually in Saudi Arabia, which then those incur costs for the delays that are passed on to the Yemeni people. So those ships cost you know, a lot more once they dock into Yemen. Uh, if you look at the UN reports on what gets into Hodeida port, which is the main port in Yemen, you will see only fuel and food that are allowed. No medicine in a, is allowed in, no medical equipments, no free flow of goods. So a lot of the companies now, if they import anything to Yemen, they import it through Aden port, which is a smaller port, not capable of handling the you know large needs because Yemen imports 90% of its needs from overseas. And then they have to transport those through checkpoints on many roads to the different places. Uh, remember, the northern part of Yemen is where 80% of the population is, and the southern part is about 20% of the population. So you're getting goods into an area that's not highly populated, and then those goods have to be transported on land when fuel shortages exist, when there are so many fighting and, and checkpoints. So by the time it gets to the customer, the, the prices have been inflated three to four times amid a, an economic crisis that is created by the Saudi-led coalition. So we know, for example, from UN reports, there are about 19 million people in Yemen today who are in need of food assistance. That's out of 30 million people. So there is a purposeful destruction of the economy. And then add to that these hurdles that they put into important basic goods. So that makes the population not able or to afford the basic needs, whether it's medicine or whether it's food or even water, because they had destroyed a lot of the water uh, services in Yemen. Okay, so there's still a strong need with the blockade to be lifted. I'm very glad to hear about the truce and that there hasn't been such severe or really no aerial bombardment. But can you remind the listeners the role the United States played in providing, uh, whether it be actual weapons and bombs or even just logistical support and uh, what that has meant on the ground um, for the Yemeni people when the bombing was happening? So the, the U.S. is the main supporter of the Saudi-led coalition in, in, in the war uh, in Yemen. For example, when the war was announced, it actually was announced from Washington, D.C., not from Riyadh, which, which is really very heartbreaking for those of us Yemeni-Americans to see the U.S. siding with the aggressor. Uh, all the, you know, most of the uh, military equipments, whether it's the Air Force, whether it's the training, whether it's the targeting, all of that is provided by the U.S. government. 
none of the Air Force, the Saudi Air Force, can operate without U.S. support. For example, I'll just give a very simple example. Um, these jets that you know bombarded Yemen for over seven years on a daily basis, seven years, over seven years on a daily basis, uh, they need to change their tires uh, maybe every other time they fly. Uh, those tires, the U.S. can say, we're not going to provide them to you because you have committed war crimes. Yet they continue to provide that. They continue to provide training, despite President Biden's uh, assurances during the campaign trail that he was going to end the support of the Saudi-led war on Yemen. In addition, you know, and, and the Saudi, you know, 75 percent of the military equipment and all the military gear is from the U.S. government. And they are the number one purchasers of military supplies and, uh, and material from the U.S. government. And so that's, that's, you know, without the U.S. support that this war would not continue and would not have started. The other thing, the dangerous thing that the U.S. government is engaged in as well is they protect Saudi Arabia in international forums when it comes to, you know, war crimes. So if there was, for example, a UN panel that looks into war crimes happening in Yemen, and that was dismantled. Uh, and of course, the US government helped with that. Anytime the Saudis are called in for war crimes committed in Yemen or a call for investigation into war crime, this, uh, the US government, because it's so powerful, uh, they always you know, work to ensure that that doesn't happen and the Saudis are not held uh, responsible for war crimes in Yemen. All right, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network, and I am Freewell and Franklin, your host tonight, and you just heard the opening 10 minutes of my special guest, Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. She has been bringing us up to date on the ceasefire yet ongoing blockade in Yemen. But I want to break in just for a minute, just to remind you, we are raising funds for this important media outlet tonight, KPFA, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. Tonight, we are giving you a special update on what's happening in Yemen. This is a story you are not going to find on a commercial media outlet or probably not on too many community radio outlets either. As we just heard Dr. Aisha Juman inform us, the U.S. has worked hard to block war crimes charges against Saudi Arabia. At the same time, the U.S. is supplying the killing technology to the Saudi government that is devastating the infrastructure and the people of Yemen. We have more to the interview coming up, but if you can at this time, please take a moment, head over to kpfa.org and click on that donate tab. Here, the Yemeni people and their supporters are heard on these KPFA airwaves. We need to keep these airwaves open. The link and the number, kpfa.org, or call 1-800-439-5732, and that's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Check us out online and browse through the thank you gifts. And remember tonight, our gift to you for any donation is the Storytelling for Social Change Fall Collection, which includes 
writer and activist Barbara Ehrenreich, and to mark the launch of KPFA's new 8 a.m. show, Law in Disorder with Cap Brooks, we've included Michelle Alexander on her classic book from 2010, The New Jim Crow. And Solomon Rushdie, who is in recovery after he was attacked in August, you'll hear him talk about his life in exile after the 1989 fatwa over his book, The Satanic Verses. All this comes to you in a confirmation email receipt with the link to these special recordings embedded. One more time for the number 1-800-439-5732 or head on over to kpfa.org. Thank you to all the folks that have called in already and to you people still on the line right now. We're going to get back into part two of my interview with Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Here in part two, we will hear about the weapons that the U.S. has supplied to the Saudi government, as well as what President Biden has done since he promised to be tough when it came to dealing with the Saudi government, even calling them a pariah. Here it is, part two. Check it out. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that, because in the past, there was some movement from Congress and the Senate, and they were going to stop the flow of weapons. And as you mentioned, we now have President Biden, who promised a tough stand when it came to dealing with the Saudis, even calling the nation a pariah at one point. Talk about what happened to the flow of that weapons. Is it continuing, even though the bombing's not happening, because they're going to have to replenish after everything that they've done? And how have you seen President Biden compared to candidate Biden when he called the nation a pariah and how he's acting now? Uh, Yeah, so let me talk about 2019 when both the House and the Senate passed the resolution to end the U.S. support for the Saudi-led war on Yemen. We were so excited about that. However, uh, President Trump then Uh, vetoed that resolution that passed both House and the Senate. Now we have another resolution in the House and the Senate also that asks that we end U.S. support for the Saudi-led war on Yemen. We have in the House over 120 representatives who signed on that. We're still trying to get more people to call in their representatives and senators to ensure that they support it. President Biden has really flipped 180 degrees on his stance on Yemen. Um, Like he said, he said he's going to make Mohammed bin Salman and Saudi a prior state that it was and that it is. Uh, Unfortunately, once he got into office, none of this happened. Uh, Actually, the opposite happened. He went to Saudi Arabia on a visit uh, in which he met with Mohammed bin Salman and really strengthened Mohammed bin Salman's hand, not just in, in the war in Yemen, but also the, his repressive um, measures against the Saudi population. Uh, so we've seen since then that, you know, since the visit by President Biden to Saudi Arabia, two women uh, activists who tweeted, tweeted that they're not happy with the way the Saudi government is ruling over its people. One is now imprisoned for 30 years and one, the other one is for over 40 years, just for a tweet. So Mohammed bin Salman has been unfortunately emboldened by Biden's visit to Saudi Arabia. In terms of what the, he's doing, he's continuing to do everything that was 
happening before he took office. He hasn't changed a thing. Uh, so we are trying to get him to at least tell us when he said uh, that he's going to stop, uh, you know, uh, offensive weapons sale to Saudi Arabia. Congress had asked for questions of what he defines as uh, offensive. We never got an answer. Congress did not get an answer. And to be honest, you know, an F-15 or an F-16 that's bombing Yemen, I'm not sure how defensive that is because Yemeni, they don't have an air force uh, to be fighting back anyway. So it's just playing with language, unfortunately. Um, and, and we're hoping that, you know, Congress, both the houses will um, step up and, and support the, into the Saudi-led war or their support for the Saudi-led war in Yemen. Yeah, let's hope that happens. And uh, that's the voice of my special guest tonight, Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. And Dr. Juman, let's take a moment to talk about relief because that's kind of the business you're in and um, relief and aid. And this is something you're closely working with with the Yemen uh, Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. And I think over here, the Western world in particular has been kind of force-fed the war in Ukraine and made to feel strongly about the suffering that's happening there, and rightly so. And we should all be against war wherever it's at. But we see in in the Ukraine that relief and aid has poured in, not to mention all the billions in weapons that are being sent to the Ukrainians. But talk about the comparison, not only in the coverage, the media coverage of the crisis in Yemen, but the amount of pledges and relief coming into the country as compared to what's going on in Ukraine. Yeah, let me start by the speech that President Biden gave today at the UN uh, Assembly you know, in front of all world leaders that are here in New York this week. He mentioned all the countries that are suffering uh, repression uh, and war crimes, and he failed to mention Yemen. Uh, it's again, you know, that is not accidental. It's purposeful because the U.S. has a hand in what's going on in Yemen. Uh, so that's some, again, it, 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 there is consistency in, in U.S. policy and what the U.S. says when it comes to Yemen. Uh, the war in Ukraine has shown the hypocrisy uh, of the U.S. and the Western world in terms of whether we're talking about coverage, uh, the media coverage of the war in Ukraine was all over the place. Uh, President Zelensky was, you know, invited to speak nonstop. Uh, yet the war on Yemen was actually blacked out. Um, nobody wanted to talk about it. And I think that was, again, purposeful because the U.S. has a hand and the Western world has a hand in, in the war in Yemen. In terms of aid, the same thing, uh, Yemen requests for aid, and this is through U.N. agencies has only gotten 40% of what they need, and they needed four, mil, 4 billion. I think they got le less than 1 point something billion dollars. Yet, in, in one day of giving to Ukraine, um, I think the number was like over 30 billion that was uh, donated in one day. And even PayPal uh, decided to waive 
the fees for any donations to Ukraine when they did not waive any the fees for any donation, not just Yemen, but any other hot crisis, whether you're talking about Ethiopia or Afghanistan. And don't even go back. I mean, just thinking about Afghanistan, Afghanistan, the US government froze 7 billion of their own money, of Afghan money, and decided to give 3.5 billion of those to the victims of 9-11, although Afghani had nothing to do with it. And it was, uh, you know, done, as we all know, mainly by Saudi nationals, yet the Afghanis have to suffer for it. So no, it's been just very clear hypocrisy. I also want to mention that I talked to my representative here, who is the chair of the Armed Services Committee, Representative Adam Smith, and I mentioned the same thing. It's like, what are you doing for Yemen uh, compared to what you're doing for Ukraine? And he basically uh, told me that he doesn't want to do any comparison between Yemen and Ukraine. And the reason for that is because they know they have been wrong. They have wronged the Yemeni people, uh, and they don't want to admit that, at least not in public. Yeah, it's it's quite a comparison uh, to the way things have been handled, and I just want to kind of move on. Thank you for that information because I this the the war in Ukraine compared to all the other multiple catastrophes out there that the U.S. has a hand in. Um, was force-fed us. In fact, they had QR codes at the bottom of every channel where you could support uh, Ukraine. And again, I'm against war against any people. And I feel like the coverage was so imbalanced. So thank you for that information and, and how you're feeling about that. And can I add one thing here? Yes, yes, please do. I actually feel extremely sorry for the Ukrainian people because they are the victims of this war. Uh, and all the governments that are involved in this uh, are not. They are trying to destroy one another, whether it's the U.S. government, because I'm sure the U.S. government has a hand in this, just judging by the amount of funds and weapons they have sent to the Ukraine. And instead of trying to end this and save the Ukrainian people, they are making sure that this doesn't stop. And at the end, only the Ukrainian people will be suffering. And, and that breaks my heart. And yeah, that seems to be true of uh, most conflicts that we see around the world. It's the, the regular people out there suffering. Well, thanks. Thanks for adding that, Dr. Juman. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And again, that was the voice of my special guest tonight, Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Again, I want to take just a moment to ask for your support for this important media outlet, KPFA. If you are moved to help support KPFA and the Pacifica Network tonight, remember you can give us a click right now or anytime during the fund drive at kpfa.org. And the Storytelling for Social Change Fall Collection is yours. Of course, you can choose from any of our thank you gifts, but everyone gets the Storytelling for Social Change audio collection. Again, that's kpfa.org. You can also call 1-800-439-5732. And to remember that, it's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Real quick, thank you to all the callers on the line tonight. 
and those who have donated so far. Thank you all so much. But let's get back to the final part of my interview tonight with Dr. Aisha Juman. And stick around because after this interview, I'll be sharing a poem by Alice Walker. I just recorded at an event last week. But first, here's part three of my interview with Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Here in part three, Dr. Juman has a message for the American people, and she talks about the beauty of Yemen and its people. Dr. Juman, I asked this previously of your friend from Yemeni Alliance Committee, Jehan Hakim, and I would like to ask this of you as well, because one thing about war and conflict the United States wages or participates in around the world, it's mostly invisible to most Americans here back in America. You could probably ask most people on the streets of the United States what's happening in Yemen and what role the United States plays. And most people will probably have no idea of the amount we contribute to the suffering in Yemen and the human cost. And especially the the children, because the children is brought up all the time um, in other conflicts like the Ukraine. So what would you like people in the United States to know about what is happening in Yemen I mean, you talked about the comparison, but what would you like just the people in the United States to know about how this happens? Yeah, um, and unfortunately, this happens when, um, you know, the Obama administration was negotiating the nuclear uh, deal with Iran and the Saudis were not happy with it. And so they just gave them a green light to uh, wage a war on Yemen. Uh, and, and that's basically... The Yemeni people were sacrificed for a deal that doesn't exist anymore, um, which is, again, heartbreaking. Like he said earlier, this is the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. We have, as I said, 19 million people in Yemen who are food insecure. We have over 5 million people, Yemeni children under 5 who are uh, malnourished. Uh, we have over 4 million people who are internally displaced because they have nowhere to go because I said Yemen is under a blockade. So people cannot even be refugees because once they become refugees, maybe they can get some attention. But because they are displaced within Yemen because the Saudi control who gets in and out of Yemen Nobody hears about them. We have, you know, over 2 million or 4 million Yemeni children who are out of school because their schools were destroyed. We had the largest color outbreak recorded in history with over 2 million cases. And we have an economy that's purposefully destroyed. And all of this, all of this happens because the U.S. supports it. All of this continues because the U.S. supports it. Once the U.S. decides to end its support for the Saudi-led war on Yemen, this war will end, the, at least the war with Sa- that Saudi is leading. So what I would like the American people to know is that this war is waged in our name. Uh, and the people in Yemen, I was in Yemen last year, this time of year, actually, I was in October, November in Yemen. Uh, we, you know, they have drawn on the walls, you know, that it is an American war, uh, the weapons that are destroying their homes, their farms, their weddings, their funerals are all American weapons. Uh, and that's what people see. And, and unfortunately, the American public don't recognize that and don't know that. 
Also, the Saudi uh, and the Emiratis pay a lot of money to think tanks and PR firms to make sure that nothing about what's going on in Yemen is, is shown here. And of course, the US government is supportive of that. And so it's, it's very important for the American public to recognize that this war has the names on it and that they take action. They call their representatives and um, their senators and ask that they vote to end the, U the U.S. support for the Saudi-led war on Yemen. Um, the Yemeni people, you know, it's, you know, the other issue that nobody talks about um, is that malnutrition affecting kids will have uh, actually a negative effect on uh, cognitive development of many kids. So Yemen will suffer for a very long time because of the blockade and the hunger that's induced, that's man-made in Yemen. We also have mental health problems, not just among kids, but also among adults. We have a project that we're doing in Yemen on mental health uh, among school kids. Um, in one study, they found that 79% of Yemeni school kids in Sana'a were suffering PTSD. Uh, so Yemen will suffer a very long time the consequences of this U.S.-supported war, um, and they will have to, to deal with it. The other thing also is the, the Saudis will need uh, to pay reparation for the Yemeni people for the destruction of all the infrastructure. We have 50% of the health services destroyed by airstrikes. And um, the U.S. has to push for that, and I'm not sure the U.S. is ready for that. But we, as American people, can push our government to do the right thing. Um, with that, definitely we need to um, help fix uh, the devastation. And we've been talking a lot about the, the doom and gloom that's happening, and I thank you for providing the information to, to you know, what our country here the United States contributes to in the devastation of yet another um, land over there. But I'm a follow, follower or a friend of yours on Facebook, and I'd like to just ask you about some of the beauty of Yemen so we can kind of close. Um, I got one more question after this, but uh, so we can kind of close on a different note. Talk about some of those beautiful pictures of Yemen, and aside from the war and the devastation, Talk about the beauty of not only the landscape, but the people and the environment of Yemen. Thank you for asking this. This is very dear to my heart. Uh, Yemen is one of the oldest countries in the world. Uh, Sana'a city is considered by UNESCO uh, the oldest continuously inhabited city in the world. Uh, so, you know, we have homes that are still, people still live in them that are over 700 years old. Uh, in the old city. Uh, Yemen, and a lot of people don't realize that also, is mountainous. M majority of Yemen is in mount mountainous regions uh, that are built with terraces. So, you know, um, and the, the highest mountains in the Arab world are actually in Yemen. Many people would think Lebanon, but it's not Lebanon, um, it's Yemen. And the people are extremely resilient. Um, you know, they they build those terraces, they build stairs in mountains that so that they can, you know, walk up to their homes. The homes are built decoratively. So just looking at a home from an outside, it's a, it's a piece of art. 
Um, they also build using local materials. So if you're in a mountainous region, the homes will look very similar to the mountain. Uh, and if you're in a desert region, they will use material that's available to them. So they're very environmentally conscious about uh, not just the material, but how the air and the sun uh, affect the house. So they position the house according to the environment, whether if it, they are in a cold area or in a hot area. Uh, Yemen is the home to the first cup of coffee that was brewed. So uh, Yemeni coffee is world-renowned, and the word mocha that are, is used for coffee uh, is actually a port in Yemen, where coffee used to be exported from. Uh, Yemen built the first skyscrapers. Uh, Yemeni people built the first dam in the world. So we have a very rich history that goes over 5,000 years. Um, and, and, and actually, uh, the sad thing is one of the museums in Yemen, uh, a regional museum that had pieces that go to over 3,000 uh, years, was destroyed by Saudi-led airstrike. So Yemeni people, as I said, uh, they're very friendly, they're very generous. Uh, when we talk about refugees or internally displaced people, we don't see a lot of camps because people invite their neighbors and, and friends to come and stay with them, even if they don't know them, uh, because they don't want them to be uh, out uh, without protection. And uh, you know, you have a family that probably will have six kids, and they can have barely something to eat now, hosting 30 other people, uh, and they all will suffer together. Uh, and they will always say, uh, "Space is in the heart, and not the physical space." So if your heart is big doesn't matter what your, the size of your home is. Um, and it's the country where a proverb that says nobody dies of hunger. Um, and it's just so uh, ironic that that proverb that existed in Yemen for thousands of years is now being proven wrong because people are dying of hunger. Thank you for that, uh, Dr. Aisha Juman. That uh, is beautiful, and I... I love the pictures that you share on Facebook and I'll see if I can get some of them off there and uh, share them on our website, kpfaapprentice.org just after the show tonight. And thank you so much for your information tonight. And the last question before I let you go tonight, Dr. Juman, is we're raising funds here at KPFA to keep our station and network on the air. We're a listener-funded station, so we don't take advertising dollars. And I just want to ask, how important has community radio and independent media and journalism been for your organization to get these important stories out? And why should people support community radio and independent media? This is such an important question. It's people like you uh, who are not, you know, in debt to other companies that determine what goes on in the air that allows someone like me to present to the, to the American people what is happening in Yemen and other places. If you are taking ads money, then you, you lose your independence uh, to be neutral and, and to stand for what's right. It's your station and many stations that are community funded that make it possible for us to speak truth to power to educate the American people about what's going on in, in our names. 
So I'm grateful for your listeners for supporting your station. I encourage them to continue to support your station because it is important for them to know the truth, to know what's going on and to be active and, and to insist that their media is not tainted by uh, special interest money. And uh, I'm going to make a, a pledge right now to donate to your station as well. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you actually coming on and sharing these important stories with us. And again, that's the voice of Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. She serves all kinds of other ways. Uh, she said, I don't have to go through the whole list, but it's, it's so much. And we appreciate the work that you're doing out there and taking the time to speak with us on Full Circle. Dr. Juman, thank you. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you. All right. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. That was the voice of my special guest tonight, Dr. Aisha Juman of the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. Again, a big shout out to Dr. Juman for speaking with us tonight and sharing your thoughts on community radio and independent journalism and the beauty of Yemen, of course. Be sure to head over to the kpfaapprentice.org website just after the show to see some of those beautiful pictures of Yemen we were just talking about. Also, Dr. Juman, thank you for your donation. And to all our listeners out there, you can join Dr. Juman online right now. Please take a moment, go to kpfa.org and make a donation if you can. And remember, anyone who donates tonight and during this fall fund drive will receive the KPFA Storytelling for Social Change Fall Collection, which includes writer and activist Barbara Ehrenreich. And don't forget, we've kicked off our new show, Law and Disorder, 8 a.m. every weekday from Monday through Thursday. So we've included Michelle Alexander on her classic book from 2010, The New Jim Crow. And Salman Rushdie, who is in recovery after he was attacked and stabbed. He'll talk about his life in exile after the 1989 fatwa over his book, The Satanic Verses. If you can right now, please give us a click or give us a call. Support this media outlet, KPFA, that brings these special voices to your ears. Let me give one more thank you to all the people on the line. Join them if you can before 8 o'clock to show your support for Full Circle, this show. But I want to squeeze in one more piece for tonight because last week I attended the free Julian Assange, free Mumia Abu-Jamal, and free Palestine event. The event was held just around the corner from KPFA at the First Congregational Church in Berkeley. There were a number of great speakers, including Chris Hedges, Mama Pam Africa, Daniel Ellsberg, and of course, the person I'm featuring next, Alice Walker. Alice spoke on Mumia Abu-Jamal and Palestine. Here are her remarks on Palestine and two poems that she performed. The murder of the children in Palestine uh, and the 
disfiguration, disfigurement of them is almost unbearable. I, it, you know, I mean, it just is. You know, how, how we find a place to put what is being done to these children. You know, how, how do we do it? The slain children of Palestine hold counsel in paradise. Now here are these children, they have gone to paradise and they are holding counsel. When we go to paradise, let us hold counsel also. We will go, we will hold counsel. We will be present to each other in paradise as these children are. The slain children of Palestine hold counsel in paradise. Who knew death would be like this? A young boy considers reconnecting a limb and looks down thoughtfully at an eye, an eye that looks casually around paradise, which turns out to be everywhere. Who knew we would learn so much and that the journey from the way things look will never end? They are still fighting and killing us below. They are still fighting and killing us below. They do not know we never die, but do they? And is this the way life punishes them? Never to be known for what they give to the world, which is a lot, but by what they take. There's a thought. What message to our parents, our schoolmates, our friends? What message? How much love they have for us, the fallen. How much suffering our deaths have caused. If only we could drop that feather, if only we could drop that feather, promised to Yoko Ono by John Lennon, announcing the promised realm of being that does not ever disappoint or disappear. We are the lucky ones. We are the lucky ones. Gone on to glory. How do we judge those who murdered us? How do we judge those who murdered us? How do we say to our families, this is not the end? That it is life's deathless breath that now is holding us in a peace that has no name or form. Inexhaustible life that opens once again in dying. Inexhaustible life that opens once again, once again in dying. Life that witnesses everything, life that witnesses everything forever and is wildly flexible, wildly flexible in its eternity. It is said that John Lennon promised his beloved Yoko Ono that if he found, if he found whatever heaven is after his death, he would let her know by dropping a feather. Thank you.
some pictures that you see from what is happening to the children in Palestine are really literally unbearable. They just, they just are. You, you can't, um, you just can't believe the people who do these things. You just can't believe it. It's just. So there was this one little boy who's, you know, with our tax money, they had basically uh, bought the weapons to take his hands, to destroy his hands. So there's a photograph where he's trying to learn to write again with what looks like two Coke bottles on the ends of his, his what's left of his arms. And he's, he's trying, you know, he, he's, that's the thing about children, you know, they, they keep trying, you know, they don't, they just... So anyway, I wrote this poem for him because I think what the children of the world really would like is for us to adopt them. And I'm not saying go try to, you know, I tried to adopt some children in Rwanda and it, it didn't work. But there is a way, emotionally and spiritually, that we can adopt these children and we, we, we can. I was gonna say we should, but you know, it's up to us. But I'm saying to this young child whose arms and whose hands were taken by our tax dollars, I'm going to try something that maybe has not been tried before. I am offering myself as your angel before you grow up and I die. What does this mean? It means you are not to despair. You are not to give up. Someone, me, your personal angel, is forever, or at least until you are 30 or so, walking beside you. This life, this life can be hard. Heaven knows. But it is also a kind of heaven in itself, complete with hellish realities. Getting through it with a free heart, a light spirit. Getting through it with a free heart, a light spirit, takes all we have. But getting through the fog of pain to bask in the light, to bask in the light, if only momentarily, if only momentarily, is the human task that finally frees us, it has seemed to me a human who has also suffered and still loves life. All of its faces, smiling or grim, finally as precious, beloved, and dear as yours. Imagine, whenever you think of me for years and years, I will be there holding your hands. For though they were taken by Israeli soldiers and American taxpayers and politicians who must live with the obligation to carry them too, they are safer with me. For this magic too is how life works. Then there's a quote from Mumia. Thank you.
All right, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and kpfa.org. That was a set of poems and some personal thoughts on Palestine by world-renowned poet and activist Alice Walker. That audio was just recorded last Saturday at the Free Julian Assange, Free Mumia Abu-Jamal, and Free Palestine event held at the First Congregational Church in Berkeley. I also recorded a live video of that event. You can check that out on our Facebook page, First Voice Media. You can also find a link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. And a last reminder before we get out of here tonight, pick up the Storytelling for Social Change Fall Collection for any donation you can make to KPFA and Pacifica tonight. Just head over to kpfa.org and hit that donate button tonight. We also got t-shirts, hoodies, socks, beanie caps, all that at kpfa.org. Books, DVDs, just go browse through and check it out. Support this station that brings you the voices that you just don't hear anywhere else. We're going on 73 years Let's make it 173. Head on over, kpfa.org. Don't forget, you can call 1-800-HEY-KPFA. That's 1-800-439-5732. And don't forget, Full Circle right here is a training program within KPFA. And we've been going since the mid-80s. And we bring people in from the community that don't have any radio skills in many cases. And we teach them, you know, the base skills of broadcasting. People will come in, they'll learn engineering, how to be on the air like I am right now, how to record and edit sound. All this is made possible through your support of KPFA. So don't forget, you're helping to train the community when we do this. And we've been keeping the training going through the pandemic. It has been a struggle. Uh, but it has. So stay tuned to Full Circle for our new voices coming up in the next few weeks and on into the future, of course. If you can tonight, make a donation. Help support KPFA that is supporting this training program. Head on over to kpfa.org. Or if you're still someone that likes to use the phone, no problem. We got you covered. one 800 439 Five seven three two, and you can remember that anytime by remembering one eight hundred Hey KPFA. And don't forget, right now we're on the air for our fall fun drive, but you could donate anytime to KPFA at kpfa.org. In fact, you could become a monthly sustainer, which is giving a portion of money every month automatically. And that really helps us out here at KPFA. I'm a monthly sustainer. I know a lot of my friends are. So give that a shot. If you are able, you could do 10, 20, 25, 30, 100. You know, I think back to my cable bill. I want to choke myself over here. And how much am I giving a month to the, the channels that aren't even giving me this news? I still have to come to KPFA to get information I need. So consider that 
being a sustainer. You can do all of that on the website, kpfa.org. Yeah, head over there and check out the all the gifts that are on the website. You can browse through there. And here now we got the hoodie pullover, a zipper hoodie. We got a t-shirt, the socks. And you can click on over to the uh, the featured gifts. Barbara Ehrenreich, Had I Known, Collected Essays by Barbara Ehrenreich, Fantastic Fungi, How Mushrooms Can Heal, Shift Consciousness, and Save the Planet by Paul Stamets. You all know we love Paul Stamets. So head on over to kpfa.org or again, 1-800-439-5732. Support us here at KPFA in the Pacifica Network. We're going to need us now more than ever with the future of our country at stake, our environment, our political system. Last time before I run out of time here, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or, of course, online all the time at kpfa.org. This is Freewell and Franklin. It's been my pleasure to be with you tonight. Thank you, everyone, that continues to donate to KPFA. Thank you for that first-time donation, and thank you to all those sustainers out there. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for links and information related to tonight's show, including the video I just mentioned and the beautiful pictures of Yemen we discussed in the first parts of the show. Let me give a big shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And again, me, Freewell and Franklin. I am the technical director for this show, Full Circle. And I have also been your host tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. <laughs>